taking a look inside the lives and minds of some of the world's most inspiring thought leaders. We tend to ask other people for suggestions on how to live our life or what to do. And you can take those as suggestions, but not as Bible. People living inspiring lives and motivating others. I think it's actually even more apparent now than it was. Women are feeling confident enough to start reaching for strength goals. Brought to you by Athletic Greens. This is the Inspiring Lives Podcast with Gary Birtwistle. I'm Gary Birtwistle and welcome to the Inspiring Lives Podcast, a show that looks inside the minds of some of the world's foremost thought leaders to discover their recipe for success. We've spoken to a super impressive list of the world's top experts in health, nutrition, performance, business, the likes of Todd Herman, Craig Ballantyne, Ryan Holiday, Rob Wolf, Michael Gervais, James Clear. If you are new to the show, welcome. You can check out the back catalogue of this stellar lineup of guests. Welcome to the Inspiring Loves podcast, brought to you by the most complete supplement for a better you, Athletic Greens. Today on the show, we meet Alex Silverfagan, a Nike master trainer and strength training expert. Alex works regularly with publications like Shape, Self, Women's Health and Cosmopolitan and was named a top five finalist in the Women's Health magazine Next Fitness Star Search. Alex is the author of Get Strong for Women, and she decided to turn to strength training after trying out a career in bikini competitions, which she found to be a dispiriting experience focused on negative thinking and negative body image. Alex has a true passion, as you'll see, for fitness and a unique personal style, And Alex has developed a very strong social media following that's inspiring women all over the world to become their strongest selves. Today, Alex is on a mission to get more women to lift heavy weights. So Alex, welcome to the Inspiring Lives podcast. Thanks for having me. Your name has become, I guess your brand has become synonymous with the word strong. And I guess I'm curious out of the gates, is in your mind... What's being strong mean? Well, thank you. That is a a massive compliment, uh, considering I really spend my day trying to feel strong and trying to make other people feel strong. So it can be physically, it can be mentally, but it's really just this overarching understanding that you're capable of whatever's thrown at you. Um, And I, I try to be strong uh, in the way that I react, I try to be strong in just my training. I try to be strong really in, in each decision that I make. And that's what it means for me. I think it means a lot of different things for other people. And I try to make them feel whatever their strong is. You know, you have to dig deep to really find what makes you feel confident enough to move forward. And that's I guess that would be my definition of strong. Do you think strength itself is being a bit forgotten in the overall wellness picture today, Alex? I mean, we talk about health and wellness and working out and all this sort of stuff, but are we kind of forgetting the the functional requirement of having strength for general good health? No, I think it's actually even more apparent now than it was when I just started in fitness. It's now, it's becoming almost trendy in a way to feel strong. And I think that's great. I don't, I I think sometimes trendy can have a a kind of negative connotation because it's a a trend. So people just hop on it, but I think it's the best trend that's happened that women are feeling confident enough to start reaching for strength goals. It's still an upward uphill battle, obviously, because as women were thought that we need to be smaller and this, the idea of taking up space isn't, isn't really, I don't, I don't know, like provided for us and we kind of need to pave that path on our own. But from what I see, especially being in New York, I, I see strength training as, as the hot ticket item, which I'm very happy about. In the gym, I've heard you talk about the fact that you lift quite heavy why Why do you see the real value for you in resistance work? What does that give you mostly? Obviously, there's physical benefits from lifting heavy weight. Mm. I mean, building calcium, um, uh, metabolism increases, uh, prevention from injury, and obviously just moving throughout life. If you can handle load, it's you're, you're pretty much 
you're in a safer position. Um, but for me also knowing that I can lift something heavy, it's just that confidence boost, which is being strong. So not just physically, but also mentally and knowing that I can put a number out there. And if that's my goal, I can work towards it. And I've, I, I, I'm, I feel good about it. You know, it's, it's a tangible, something tangible to reach for. And it puts, and I, it puts something really specific to the idea of being strong, which can be a little overwhelming when you're just like, what makes me feel strong, you know? So, uh, being able to, to actually make out a list of things that I want to then hone this idea and this feeling is, uh, just productive. You mentioned the word overwhelming and for many people walking into a gym for the first time can be very overwhelming. And you said that the first time you walked into a gym, you felt quite insecure, but then you started lifting and then you were no longer feeling mm-hmm. that way. What was, what was the change in your mind from walking in and feeling overwhelmed or insecure to going, actually, this is okay. What was the, do you remember back at that time what was the trigger was to turn it over? <laughs> I have a pretty headstrong personality as well. So if I put my mind to something, I end up, I ended up doing it (laughs) and I walked into the gym deciding that I was going to lift weights and this was going to be my new thing. And it is intimidating when you start something new, but you have to remind yourself why you're doing it. And I was doing it for me, not for anybody else around me. So why did it matter what they thought? Mm. I, but I do think it's over. Most people feel overwhelmed when they walk into a gym because they don't know what to do. I was really fortunate that I had I I was able to look up some routines online. I was pretty confident that I was able to handle them myself. But a lot of people go into the gym, they don't really know what exercise to do, what order to do them, how much weight, if they're doing it right. There's a lot of other factors that play in. So my biggest advice or, or suggestion to someone who wants to start is to hire a coach or find a program that's really reputable and do a few sessions with somebody just to make sure that they're safe and then they can feel confident. So it's not necessarily all of these insecurities about what you're actually doing. And instead you can attack the insecurities of why you're doing it, right? Um, just so that you're in the best position to move forward. Because you talked about comparison in the gym. I think you just kind of mentioned it then, Alex. You talked about the comparison in the gym where it gets in the way of our progress because we're worried about what other people are thinking and how I look in comparison to, am I doing it right? You must see that a lot in the gym. I see it a lot in life. I think the gym is just a really small example of uh, people comparing themselves to each other. But I, I don't, I'm, I'm fortunate to work in a gym surrounded by people that are my peers and I don't feel that comparison anymore. I feel very collaborative and safe. But for most people walking into a space, they don't know the people around them. So they're looking around, they're making sure they're doing the right thing. And that's that's why I, I urge people to find a coach or someone as a mentor to help them reach their goals. One thing you said, which I thought sort of is a, I guess an extension of what we talk about here. You said comparison on the days when you don't feel great are your worst days for comparison. How do you check yourself with that, Alex? Because even though at this stage you're an ambassador for a lot of great brands and you're seen as an icon out there for what you're doing, there must be days where you start to have those bad days and you start to fall into the comparison trap. How do you check yourself? Well, I have those bad days more often than you'd think. Um, I mean, we all have bad days, right? We all have we all have days where we don't trust ourselves. We compare uh, ourselves in our career or relationships. Um, that the self doubt kicks in. But what I, what I'm working on, and I'm still working on this, is is hitting that feeling with a sense of gratitude and appreciation for everything that I am doing so that I can shift the mindset away from, oh, I need to do this. What if I did that? Oh, that should have made, I should have made that choice. Instead, I'm just, I can be grateful for the choices that I have made and the path that I am on 
so that I can trust myself a little bit more, right? Like I've gotten to a certain place for a reason. So I must, I must have done something okay along the way. And you only keep going further if you do have those bad days, right? Like we, we, we need to have a balance because if we're just living in this cloud all the time, you're never going to feel the need to push yourself or work a little bit harder or challenge yourself. So I, I also appreciate the bad days. <laughs> I don't, uh, we need them, but I turn it around and try to just be grateful. How do you do that? Because people, people would hear that and say, yep, okay, Roger, that got it. How do you specifically do that? Is it a journaling? Is it a photo library? Is it a, what, what is, how do you do it? Well, it's definitely, that's an overwhelming statement as well, right? Just be grateful. <laughs> like, well, it's easy. Uh, how? Yeah. Um, it's a mix of things and, and it depends on the day. I mean, I'm, I do journal quite a bit. I journal throughout the day. So I usually bring my journal with me. And I also use my phone, my notepads as a place to journal. I'm a big proponent of therapy and talking to somebody that isn't within your circle so that you can feel safe and able to just unload without feeling the need to reciprocate. Not that there's anything wrong with speaking to friends, but it's, it's important to have somebody else that's kind of just outside. And then I just try to little reminders around, you know, and I, I make bookmarks and feelings all of the time. So I recognize when I'm feeling a certain way and if I've done something, how it shifts my mood or how it shifts my, uh, just the way that I feel overall. And if I can bookmark, or right, I did that and it, and it changed the outcome, maybe I can come back to it again. Or even bookmarking bad emotions and knowing, all right, why did I get to this place? What did I do? Was I scrolling on Instagram too much? Was I looking back at old decisions and worrying that I made some, it's really easy to replay the past, you know? Um, so I bookmark the positive and I bookmark the negative and try to move forward from that. What's your process for doing that, Alex? I think that's really interesting. What's your process for doing that? How do you, what, what's a, what's a bookmark look like, positive or negative? Yeah. They're not necessarily written down. It's, I'm just very introspective all of the time. (laughs) So if I'm interacting with somebody or if I'm, if I make a choice, I, I, I can remember what I was feeling and not, not everybody has that ability to be that in tune with their emotions all of the time. And that's why you do the work of journaling or you speak to somebody and you try to dive a little bit deeper into your emotions. Sometimes it gets the best of me, to be honest, when I'm too emotional and I'm too introspective, I'm too in my own head. And again, that's another bookmark. It's like, I, I need to get out of my head. I need to go out and do something, talk to somebody. And you really, it's, it's hard for me to tell you what to do to get out of those bad days because everybody's different, you know? So I can, I can give all of these different examples, but at the end of the day, you have to try certain things for yourself, see what works for you, talk to other people. And the worst thing you can do is just sit alone and, and, and replay things over and over. You know, it's interesting, Alex, when you get to interview people who are seen to be at the top of their game, if you use that term, or people who have achieved great things or people who others aspire to be like. But we don't often get to understand what they go through. And you said before you you have those days where you're just not feeling it and other days where you are. And and what I was really curious about is that you you are you're beautiful, you're fit, you're smart, you, in everybody's eyes, would say is successful. You're actually an ambassador for some of the best brands and most iconic brands in the world. Yet, you've said that there are times when you look at yourself and you tear yourself down. Why, why when you tick so many of those boxes, what goes on when someone like yourself tears yourself down? Like, what's your inner dialogue? Well, <laughs> thanks for those, those compliments. Um, I think you have to remember that all these people that you see who are in these titles or work for different brands or achieve 
goals that other people put up for themselves. You have to remember we're all human, right? So just by ticking a box doesn't necessarily bring happiness. Like I think success is determined for other people in different ways. And I'm very, I'm, I'm, I feel successful in my life in many different ways. And my career is just a part of it. I'm feel successful in my personal life. I feel successful in my friendships. And when I, I guess tearing myself down, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I tear myself down. I, I just think I have reactions as any human does. And they're just heightened because I'm very emotional and I'm, I'm grateful that I am because it, it helps me make decisions that then lead to, I guess, different career decisions or you just have to remember at the end of the day, we're, we're all human, right? We're all, we all have a brain and we're all complex and our, our lives will take us in different places. And just because you've achieved something doesn't mean that is happiness. And if you shift you have to shift what it means to be successful, you know? Um, and I've done that and I kind of let my career ride a wave and I work really hard. It was on my plate. And for me being successful is really harboring relationships in my life and connecting with the people closest to me. And I find success there. So when I tear myself down, it's usually in, in those areas. You, you said you carry emotions and you, fortunate as it may be, have the opportunity to look back and be retrospective with your emotions and then make a bookmark with them. And I've, I've heard you say it might have been on Hurdle Podcast with your friend Emily Abate, and you said that your body is a wonderful teacher if you just listen to it. I'm really curious. Oh, that was a great saying. I'm just curious, what, what is somebody listening for or feeling for you? So if I am in tune and it's a wonderful teacher, tell me, tell me how I make the most of those lessons. I'm so happy you brought this up. So I, and I also forgot that I said that. That's very ironic. So I filmed that episode with Emily about a year and a half ago. And I, I've never really had any tremendous injuries. I've been really fortunate. But this year I've had I've, I've just been having a deeper conversation with my body. Um, I had an ankle tear back in April that, that has since just kind of changed certain patterns in my body. And when that happened, obviously I could blame it on some situations. I could blame it on my teaching load or supplements I was taking or being burnt out. But what it really was, was... I got into a, I got into a really bad habit of not journaling, not being introspective, not being grateful and just kind of running on this little gerbil wheel. And my ankle tear made me, made me slow down. It made me think, it made me realize what is important and what I want to focus on. And I think people can listen to their body without it necessarily going through a traumatic injury, right? You, you wake up in the morning and do you physically feel achy that that can tell you a lot of different things? Like, obviously, did you, did you drink? Did you not sleep well? Or is something happening in a relationship? Or are you stressed about something happening at work with your boss? This is a great example. When people ask me, do you eat breakfast? And, and I'll say to them, well, if I'm hungry, <laughs> right? So we, we tend to ask other people for suggestions on how to live our life or what to do. And you can take those as suggestions, but not as Bible. You need to, you need to ask yourself how you're feeling, what you need. Also a bookmark, right? What made you feel good? And your body's just a part of that conversation. It's interesting. Do you do you trust your intuition, Alex? Yeah, I, I do trust my intuition. I also, like I said, being highly emotional, I'm I believe I'm very spiritual too. So I believe in dreams and manifestation and the universe. And I believe in in prayer. I'm not I'm not religious, but I believe in if, if you're going through something, asking for help, just putting that out there, 
will will help you. So um, intuition and your gut feeling, right? Like if you have a gut feeling that it's literally a gut feeling. And the morning my ankle hurt, I had a gut feeling that I shouldn't go in and train my clients. I knew I had a feeling I needed to rest. I was exhausted. Um, my body was saying no, but you know, we stick with responsibilities and there's nothing wrong with that, but you also need to respect and honor yourself. So when you really feel those, those requests, you should listen and make a decision based off of that. It's interesting just on the, the, I guess the food and eating program, you've got a lot of experience in this because if, if I take you back, you're a bikini model and then a fitness cover girl. And you said during that time you had to watch every calorie. And that meant you can't go to dinner with friends. You can't do some of the things you want to do. You're counting calories. You've got to be so disciplined. Today, as a Nike master trainer and out there representing brands like that, where where is your happy place today? How does Alex, with all you know, all you've been through, where's your happy place today in, in food and meals? My happy place I, I was going to say on the beach, but my happy place with food and meals um, is probably a big <laughs> chocolate chip cookie and eating it when I want it. <laughs> um, and I, I don't, I don't deprive myself anymore. I, when I was doing bikini competitions, this is a, this actually brings us back to when you said people look at me and see these titles or these brand partnerships and that I've, 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 ticked all those boxes. Right. But I, I, so I, I won a bikini competition, but I wasn't happy. I was actually the most miserable I'd ever been. I wasn't, I had no friends. I, the, the friend that I did have, I lived with and thank God she was, she's still one of my closest friends. I, she put up with me weighing my food and being crabby because I had no energy and it was miserable. It wasn't, and there's nothing wrong with people who want to do bodybuilding or bikini competitions, but you need to know why you're doing it. And I was doing it because I was unhappy with my former uh, persona when I was working in nightlife. And I really, I, I didn't know who I was in both ways. And I went to, I went to extremes to find myself in the middle. And I don't recommend anybody going to extremes, but it was the route that I took. And now I still, I still have days when I wake up and I'm, I just have a moment where I regret, maybe I had pizza the night before and I regret it for a moment. And then I remember, okay, I I chose to eat it and it was good and it's not going to hurt me and I'm living my life, you know, um, that's, that's my happy place. It's being okay with living my life and, we have goals. And if I know I have something coming up and I want to maybe not have a cookie every night, then I won't. <laughs> I'll just drink my athletic greens every day, which I do. <laughs> but um, I, I don't ever want to feel like I can't live. How do you navigate the mindset? We talked about intuition before and you said, I woke up in the morning and my intuition said, I probably shouldn't train today. Recovery is a big part of the Nike master trainer program, the big five things to concentrate on along with mindset and, and nutrition and exercise, sleep and so on. How do you navigate the mindset of recovery versus you're just making excuses to slack off? Because I think this is a challenge for people. They hear about recovery but then they probably don't do the work. Where is that middle ground there? Where is there a way to actually critique ourselves to go, this is absolutely mandatory recovery, which we know is critically important versus uh, you're just making excuses again. Before you can even understand if you're making an excuse or not, you need to have a better relationship with your body and with your own needs. And that, that comes from time it's taken. I'm still working on that. I, I still push myself more when I know I need to recover because I think that I should be doing X, Y, and Z, even though just taking a nap will probably be more beneficial than trying to push myself. So that's an ongoing conversation. But 
it's, it's different for everybody. I think you can also feel it in your bones and you can feel it in your body when you really need to recover. If you're not sleeping well, you're wired and tired. Uh, that's a, that's a really good sign that you need to be sleeping. There's also all of this technology coming out. There's things like a whoop strap where if you're having trouble understanding the relationship with your body, then you can use tools and technology and wearing a data tracker to really understand what is happening because not everybody is super introspective or has the space to understand. But I I would say asking, sitting with yourself, asking yourself a few times, like, why am I choosing to move forward with this training session or, um, yeah, I guess it, just in terms of training, like why am I why am I choosing to go to the gym? Is it because um, I, I want to and I'm excited and I and I I I feel good and I'm ready to crush it, or am I going just because I think I need to hit that workout box on my to do list today, or why am I choosing not to go to the gym? Am I feeling am I feeling exhausted? Do I? Do I need, maybe I'm, I'm, I need some food or, um, or am I not going because I just don't want to, right? So you just need to ask yourself questions a little bit deeper than just, I need to do this. Alex, Pat Flynn wrote a book called How to Be Better at Almost Everything. And one of the principles in the book he talked about was skill stacking. And if I go back through your resume, you've done acting, psychology, modeling, fitness, kind of cardio strength. You're a writer, a blogger. What's next for you? Like what, what's the next thing you're going to add to your stack? Is there something you are looking to learn or lean into that would add to the stuff you've already done? So the cool thing is with all of those skills that I've acquired or interests that I've pursued, I it's just come really, it's just been kind of like the next thing around the corner. Um, I, I'm, yeah, I, (laughs) I guess I have done a lot. Um, it's usually, it's usually an opportunity is presented to me. So I, I was really interested in, in acting for a while. And it's funny because I got into theater when I didn't make any of the sports teams in high school. (laughs) And I, tried out for volleyball, uh, softball. I, I just, I, swimming team didn't work and I wanted a sense of community and I was very close with my English teacher who happened to be, she ran the drama club. And so I became president of the drama club after a few years, after doing shows and connecting with people and that was amazing. And then I, it led me to university where I thought I wanted to study acting and psychology. And then I all of a sudden fell into a group of girls that were really interested in fashion and consumerism. And that was my interest for a little bit. And I worked in some cool PR firms. And then I met somebody who worked at a, a club and I started hospitality. And from there, I then decided to do a bikini competition. It was like each step has taken me to the next, I guess, like level of these skills. So I don't really know what's around the corner for me. Um, What I have been interested in is getting back to music. When I was doing theater, I would sing. So I've been torn around the idea of going and taking guitar lessons or piano lessons and just being a little bit more creative, potentially writing music with what I write in my journal, um, but then maybe going and being a DJ. <laughs> I'm, I'm leaning towards music a lot right now. I think it speaks to me, and that would probably be my next skill. I don't, I don't, I, I don't expect a, a record coming out for me, but that might just be my next hobby. And at the same time, I think everyone should have a hobby. And for a while, fitness and yoga was my hobby. It's now become my career. And it's always important to have something that's kind of sacred, you know, that's separate from what you do on the daily and something you can go to and turn your mind off for a little bit so that you can then when you do turn your mind on, you can listen a little bit more. That's gold. Uh, you Say you're in a class, you're teaching in class, 
How do you go about keeping yourself completely in the moment with that class of people? Because I'd imagine once you've been doing it for a while, it's pretty easy to start putting it on autopilot and your mind drifting. How do you go about keeping yourself completely in the room and completely with those people? That's a great question. I think a lot of instructors feel that, especially when they do it so often, there's this potential for burnout and you just kind of, you end up sounding like a parrot, just regurgitating information. But I, when I am teaching a live class, the beauty about teaching people in front of you is that you can connect with them. So I stay in the moment because I'm, when I, when I give a cue, I make sure some, I make sure that it's happening around me or I only say it if I, if I need to, because I see somebody that I need to give a correction to or eye contact communication. I teaching a live class is connecting for me. So I stay in the room because I'm getting that connection. When I teach live on the mirror, which is a very different type of teaching. And if you don't know anything about mirror, it's this, it's essentially, it's a mirror when it's off. And then when you turn it on, I show up live. Or if you choose an on-demand pre-recorded classes, then I just, I show up from that class and I work out with you. And for that, when I'm teaching, I stay in the moment because I, I'm, I'm doing it with somebody. So again, it's a connection. It's that word. It's a shared experience. And if somebody is teaching their classes and they don't feel like they're really in the moment anymore, then they need to realize, is, are they doing something that they love? Is it time to take a little break, a step back, maybe change up what you're teaching? There's so many ways to kind of get back into that. Um, and that's that's again, the only way to be in the present is not think about what you did yesterday, not think about what you're going to do tomorrow, but just what are you doing right now? The reason I ask the question is because I often look at people who are taking a class and I wonder. And the second thing is you, you've you said that you quite often have a number of books, three at a time, of books by your bedside. And it makes me think, is that for variety or is that because – of you don't have focus like why why do you have (laughs) no no it's it's not it's not not having focus it's I get something different from each book so I usually have something that's lighthearted. uh I usually have something that's more in the self-help realm then I sometimes usually have a, a yoga book or something that's helping me when I curate my classes or what I'm trying to work on for the week. So it's just like friendships, right? You don't, you don't have one friend, I hope. I mean, if you do, that's, that's cool. <laughs> you get a little bit from each person, yeah, not, right? Not, not being judgmental. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Sorry to anybody who has one friend. I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you, you have different people in your life for different connections and different relationships. And so I find through, I mean, in this example, books, you're, you're getting a little bit, you're getting something different from each thing, from each book, from each author. Can we, can we work on the word curate? It's a word you just used where you said, I curate yeah. mm-hmm. my learnings to take to a class. And it's interesting today that there is a lot of discussion about we're just consuming. And it used to be that we had wisdom, but wisdom was replaced by knowledge. And knowledge has been replaced by consumption. So rather than taking things, embodying them, curating them and trying them, testing them, failing, succeeding to turn to knowledge, do it enough, it turns to wisdom. Today, it's just the next podcast. It's the next book. It's the next class. It's the next, it's the next, the next. How does Alex curate learnings? I like the idea that you have your three friends on the bedside and you are taking learnings. Do you have a process that you use to curate what you consume to then turn it into knowledge that you can share with your students or people attending classes or people you work with? Yeah, you have to know the source, right? So you can't take something from somebody that you either, you don't respect or you you haven't had a good experience with and then take what they're saying as either first knowledge and then wisdom because you haven't developed that trust or that relationship. So I won't just pick something up because someone says that they're good. I, I, I need to first, first it's, it's consumption, right? And then 
I analyze how I'm responding to it and if I respect what I'm hearing or if I communicate it with other people and it, it's it's received well, then it, it turns a little bit more into knowledge, right? And then it's put into practice and it, it is wisdom. So there's a process. And I think the problem with most people today is we take something, we consume it, and immediately it's 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 wisdom, right? But if it doesn't work, then it's just wrong. But it's not that it it doesn't work and it's wrong. It's just maybe it didn't work for you. And that, again, brings us back to the idea of not having a connection or a relationship with ourselves, our emotions, our bodies. And you can read all the books on keto, for example, which I don't recommend at all. Some people, it feels good for a little bit, you know, and if it does, do you. (laughs) But you you can't read somebody else's experience and say that works if you haven't tried it for yourself. You just mentioned the, the, the mirror. Tell me, I, I haven't heard of this technology before. Is this, a, is this something that somebody has as a technology? Is it just yours? Uh, I've never heard of it. Because you're in Australia. <laughs> yeah. It's because you're in Australia. We are a tiny we island. Don't ha- we don't have it in Australia. Um, yeah, the mirror right now. News we're just- does take a while to get across the Pacific. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I got to send you a mirror. Um, so we're in the States. It's a... Uh, relatively, I mean, it is a very new product. Um, we launched to the public on September or September of 2018. I've been with them since November of 2017, but it's been in, it's been a thought for at least five years and it's just a mirror, right? And in your home, it doesn't take up space. It's actually beautiful. I have one at home and usually it's just used as a mirror, but when you turn it on, we have eight trainers who teach a variety of different fitness genres. I teach yoga, cardio and strength, strength classes, and then stretch classes as well. But we also have boxing, bar, Pilates, dance, cardio, you name it, we do it. And you turn the mirror on, you choose a class either that's live or pre-recorded and you interact with the instructor who's then visible on the mirror. So you see the instructor, you see yourself, you can see the other people that are taking class and this screen becomes an interactive experience as opposed to just passive content. So that is the mirror. That's my, that's my main gig at the moment. I teach eight classes a week and I do the entire workout with you. So it's a shared experience. Is it a floor to ceiling type thing or is it on the wall? Like what physically, what's it look like? It's a, it's a floor length mirror and you can either mount it or you can just have it leaning against your wall. And all you need is the space of a yoga mat in front of it to, to do anything. And unless the class calls for kettlebells or dumbbells or a band those are it would be it would be written in the class description. You you have done a lot, and one would hallucinate. There's a lot more great stuff ahead of you with the people you're working with and the way you approach your work. What's interesting, Alex? You said that your grandfather passed, and almost to that day, your career seemed to take off. When you think back. What was the relevance to you? Was there something, because you are an emotional person, was there something that happened or clicked or a memory that helped you to go, okay, it's time? You did your homework. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, um, yeah. So my, (laughs) um, I started, so I, I chose to do that bikini competition when my grandfather, he, he was diagnosed with lung cancer. And it was a really long battle. They didn't think he'd last for a few months. And then he lasted a, uh, longer than that than a year. And um, I, I started training for the competition. I did it. And then I, I, entered a, I entered a search to be a spokesmodel for a well-known website that dealt with bodybuilding and competitions. And then my grandfather passed and I went down to Florida where my grandmother still lives and we were burying him the next day. And I get an email that I made it to the top five of this competition 
and I would be going to LA to compete for a chance to win, so so on and so forth. And from that moment, everything just I, I like to use, I like to say that I work hard and something else comes around the corner and everything just kept coming around the corner for me. And I remember, I mean, he's, he is my angel and I'm very spiritual and I have a photo of him looking at me. I'm a baby and I I have it next to me in my house. He's always looking over me. So maybe that's just me manifesting things and believing that there's something, some higher power watching over me, but either way it's helped me progress. And if you believe in whatever you need to believe in, it doesn't necessarily need to be a family member or a spirit or a God or whatever. As long as you have faith and belief in something, you'll be able to accomplish whatever you set your mind to. So manifestation, belief in whatever is critical in just being a human, I think. But then again, it could be different for somebody else, but I, I'm, I'm looking at the picture right now. <laughs> I'm, uh, and I'm grateful for him. I always will be. Mm. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. Great story. Something you said was that you chose not to play team sport because you were worried that you would let somebody else down and you didn't play sport because you didn't want to let people down. Do you find the same, which is, which is curious when you are in the mirror it's, it's kind of, I can, I can see these threads coming together into a story. Do you find the same thing when you're writing social posts or doing a class where you feel a certain responsibility not to let people down? Yeah. Um, you know how we were talking about the, the negative self-talk earlier on in our conversation? Social media is a big one for me. I, I'm always hesitant with what I post and why I'm posting it. And if I'm posting it just because I feel pressure to continue posting. And I, I don't want to let people down because I know, I know that as a consumer of social media, other people give me confidence and give me the, 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 the ability to know that I can, I can move forward throughout any situation. So if I can give that to somebody else, I don't want to let them down, but I've, I've stepped back a little bit from, how much I share. I think that's my, my personal life has shifted and I don't feel the need to share as many nitty gritty details as I used to. And I, I used to also share them honestly in a selfish way because it was therapeutic for me and other, other people had a response. I felt better. It was great, but I have other outlets for those emotions now. So I'm, I'm just, I'm just careful of what I share making sure that I can still help people and not let them Mm. down, but also protect myself and the people that I'm closest to. So uh, with team sports, yeah, I didn't want to let anybody down. My biggest fear is always hurting other people. If I've done something wrong, um, it's why I'm so anxious, honestly, uh, for the way that I move through life. I just don't really, I don't want to affect anybody in a bad way. It's, it's all a lot to hold on your shoulders. And when you can just let that go and breathe, you can end up helping way more people. And I'm, I, I know that. So I just need to remind myself of that. So just uh, take a breath, say what you need to say when you need to say it. And the right people are going to hear you. And it'll, if someone needs to hear what you have to say, they will. Is there a big difference between the Alex we see on Instagram and the Alex in real life because you do you do see here and meet people who do absolutely put out a world on socials but when you dig into their real life it's completely contrary to that is there a is there a a, a vast difference between those two things like who is Alex in life no it Honestly, there's not a big difference at all because I grew up with an Instagram and I think, <laughs> I, no, I really did. I mean, I, from what, like 19 to now, 19 or 20 to 27, that's a very, that's a big chunk of time growing into a woman and 
and, and navigating through young adulthood of really understanding who I am with a social page. So I think I've, I am, I am exactly who you see on the internet. You just don't see every detail. And I also like everybody have the ability to curate what I'm saying. So if I'm feeling something, I write it in my notes over and over. I edit it. I, I, I change words. I change sentences until I feel like it's wrapped up in this ribbon. I pick a photo that goes along with it and I can share, but nothing is inauthentic there. It's just, I've cleaned it up a little bit, but I'm exactly what I'm saying is exactly how I feel. I, you don't want to, you don't want to be inside my head. If I, if I, if I wrote it as it was coming out, it, it would be way too much. So that's the great part, right? You're welcome. But no, I'm exactly, I am, exactly. I am, I am my Instagram because I, I learned who I am with it. Just to finish this up here, I've got a, just on you and you are your brand, but in a very, it's a saturated market, let's face it. I mean, there are a lot of people doing blogs and socials and videos and classes on health, wellness, there's workouts, there's books, there's programs. At the very core of it, if we put more wood behind less arrows, at the very core, why you? What What do you think is your absolute point of difference that has attracted world's great brands and also people to want to be with you around you and listen to you? Well, it comes down to individuals and their personality. So you can't really copyright an exercise. You can't copyright a squat. We all teach it in a different way. And I, I learned this really early on when I started teaching group fitness classes. If someone comes to take my class and they don't, they don't enjoy it, maybe they just don't vibe with me as a teacher. And that's okay. I feel the same way when I go and take class myself. There's nothing wrong unless they're doing something really wrong in the, the programming, which I, I don't think that they would be. It's not, it's not that, that what they're delivering isn't, isn't vibing with me. It's just who is saying it. And I've always been really authentic. I try to be, I try to be your friend. I never try to seem like I'm smarter than anybody. In fact, I don't think I'm the smartest and will ever be. I, I, very regularly feel like I'm still a student and still a consumer of fitness, which I think helps keep it relatable and honest. So that's it. It's not, I I think that's why, why me, right? Because I am, I am just like everybody else. It's interesting, you know, that uh, if following this interview, because my first opportunity to meet and speak with you, somebody said, what's your take on Alex? It's interesting that I think the thing that I find about you and or you are your brand is completely authentic strength. And I think we started with strength, but we've actually gotten down the true authenticity of who you are. And I think those two things together really are quite a powerful and unique platform in today's world where you really are you but the thing that you have is this really authentic strength of mind and character and spirit and emotion and skills. And it's, I think it's why Athletic Greens have been so attracted to want to partner with you. And I know having talked to the guys at Athletic Greens, they're very proud of the, of the interaction they have with you and the fact that you'd want to work with them. I guess one, one final question for you is, there's a lot of talk now about longevity and I interviewed Jay Ferugia who has been in strength and workouts for decades and Jay said that he's changed his view on how he works out now and if he was talking to his younger self, he'd be putting longevity and looking after himself, his body, his mind more to the front rather than just pushing big weights in your mind, how should we feel with all you know, because you've done CrossFit, you've done the bikini modeling, you're doing these classes. How should we feel after we finish a training session? You shouldn't feel like you're dead every time on the floor. Um, in fact, you should feel, I, I nine times out of 10 walk out of the gym feeling, 
all right, that felt good. I feel, I feel like I did something, but I'm not, I'm not depleted where I can't do anything else. And I can't, that, that wouldn't fly because there's so many other things that I need to do throughout my day. So my training sessions are just to assist me and make me stronger, not tear me down. And the majority of, of general population assume that a workout is supposed to leave them on the floor panting in a, pie, in a puddle of sweat. Sometimes, right? Like every so often go to that red zone, have that feeling, but if you did that all the time, how would you recover? How would you, what, what are you, what are you accomplishing there? Um, we're not all CrossFit athletes or, you know, where that's our job. And you also have to remember the people that are doing that, that is their job. Our goal with fitness is to continue living our life and to feel strong and to feel confident that we can, we can do what we want to do with our life. And, when we eat food, it's the same feeling. It's, are you, you want to enjoy your life. You want to feel good moving forward and keep doing these things for years and years to come. And that is, that is why I do what I do every day. And what I hope I'm learning still, it's taken me, I'm still in that phase of understanding that this is about longevity and it's not about the way that we look or the way people expect us to look. It's also hard when you're on camera to accept that I'm, I'm a woman, you know, I'm going to have certain curves. I'm going to look a certain way. And as long as I can do what I need to do and feel good, that's enough. Well, I think that is a perfect place to pull stumps uh, on this interview. Alex, where people who do want to check out all the stuff we've talked about, your work, your books, the mirror, where is, where is the Alex hub? The website, alexloverfagan.com will get you to any of the places that you need to go <laughs> to hang out with. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute delight. I think we've all enjoyed this conversation with you. Good luck for all the new ventures. Look forward to seeing you on Apple Music or Spotify with your next music creation as part of your skill stacking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Thank you all so right. much for your time. I appreciate it. The, the bar has been set. So that's today's show. There are loads more incredible guests in the weeks ahead on the Inspiring Lives podcast. The Inspiring Lives podcast brought to you by Athletic Greens. New episodes out every other Monday morning. Tune in and subscribe on the Apple Podcasts app or your favorite podcast platform.